Welcome to Michael Stone's podcast. This free podcast is made possible through gifts by people like you. Please consider making a donation through the donate button on the website to help us offer unique audio, video, and text-based teachings on the internet and to grow this community library. Michael's teaching bridges the gap between inner healing and social change by synthesizing traditional spiritual teachings with the insights of the West. To learn about Michael's international retreats and workshops, please visit michaelstoneteaching.com. Thank you for your support. So in knowing your own body, what's the best seated position to sit for 30 minutes? And, and then also knowing the deep request, like the asana of sitting upright, of aligning the body and the spine so that that deep breath starts to become available. And, and to adjust your seat you know, your cushion, how many cushions you're sitting on, so that this area of the body, you know, from the bottom of the rib cage to the groin, has space. You know? That's what's going to facilitate that full breath. You know? and, and the more the body is aligned in this way, the more this just becomes a natural flow, and with awareness, we, we, it starts to teach us, you know. But as we make contact with awareness, the wisdom of the body starts to reveal itself. And then it, this beautiful shift from the mind telling the body what it should be doing to the body discovering for itself. Yeah. And right in that, is also a teaching of liberation. You know, this, this is not just simply the body, this is the nature of existence. It has its own intrinsic way of being that we can be in deep harmony with. And then as you start to sit, you know one of the things you discover in the Zen world, where you do a lot of sitting, you discover your own little routine, you know, where, what part of your body needs a little stretch, you know? Is, is there one side of your hips that tend to tighten that you can stretch out if you start? All this is it's like it's like an initiation. It's like you're you're coming to your seat. This the little stretches that work for your body. They're like reminding you. what it is to be body. <coughs> and then to start to attend to how your body is today. And often it's helpful to come up, you know, 
attend to just exactly how you're sitting, the height of your cushion. balanced over the sit bones. We could say the weight's balanced over the sit bones and then the spine rises up. And as it rises up, finding that disposition, that alignment, As we tune into the spine, we can feel what it is to lengthen the spine. Maybe it doesn't move, but there's kind of like a change in the muscle tone, a change in the energy. is that aligning of the spine upwards, allowing the breath to come in, to come down. It's not an imposition, it's not forcing something to happen, it's inviting, it's an opening. manifest today is how it will manifest today. Today's state of mind is today's state of mind. of the body, noticing the mental disposition. <coughs> Is there a particular sense of ease or agitation? Is there some preoccupation? And the very gift of noticing it's showing us what it is to not be lost in whatever the state of mind is. Just to notice. It's not demanding it be different. And it's not lost in it. Noticing the sensations of the body. And opening to experiencing the sensations of the body. that goes beyond my arm, my ankle. Sensation, sensation.
bringing that awareness to the sensation of the breath in the body. Quite literally, how does it feel to breathe in? What are the sensations that are happening in the body with the inhale? Does the mind immediately intrude with what should happen? sensations of the exhale. breath, a new beginning. How quickly attention can wander. Each breath starting over. physical sensation of breathing. And very patiently relating to the activity of mind. now as you're starting to settle, there's some subtle or slight adjustments in the body that would seem helpful. from the disposition of connection to the sensations of the body and the breath, a suggestion. Explore extending the exhale. But in a steady, deliberate, gentle way. You're not forcing something to happen. You're just inviting it. Exhale has that quality of release, the quality of letting go. But it's a gift, it's not a punishment, it's a gift.
like whispering to yourself, it's okay. You don't have to hold on to that. It should be soft enough that there's nothing abrupt, a pause, and then noticing when the breath, when the body is ready to breathe in. Not in a gasping way. Then your the exhale's too long. Just a distinct but easily accommodated readiness to breathe in. Extending, pausing, breathing in. at the end of the inhale and a shifting to the activity of exhale. If the mind moves into thought, just gently with the exhale, releasing. And pausing and starting over. Letting the inhale happen. It's not a matter of control. It's not a matter of imposition on what's happening. body opens and receives.
exhale, let's go. flow of life. You can't stop it. You can't control it. But you can flow in deep harmony with it.
notice thinking, you've already returned to awareness. Let that awareness find the breath. Since this is a yoga and Zen retreat, um, how about the body of meditation? Do you have any questions uh, about how you're sitting? Any conundrums about how to relate to the body in this position? Is it okay to change legs in the middle if you're absolutely in pain? Yes. What did you say? No, what did you say after that? Yeah. It, it, you know, it's helpful to remember all this from the perspective of awakening is making contact with what's happening. You know, the more thoroughly we make contact with what's happening, um, you know, I was saying to Michael yesterday, you know, like, now, you know, the, how that sutra starts with now, you know, presence, experience, now. And, and so that's, that's what awareness meditation is, is to kind of continually experience now, now. How can that have a singularity to how it should happen? I mean, so, but can you continue experiencing now as you change your posture? You know, can you do it as a practice? Can you do it with deliberate attention? And and then. What is there to learn about, um, is, is there another way to sit that would be at this point in time with the body as it is, that would be helpful, you know? Like there's these pragmatic assessments that we make. Here's this beautiful ideal, but then here's this very particular body aspiring to engage it. <laughs> and what, what can I keep learning about that? You know? Any other questions about? Michael, this personally this question. Uh, when the body wants to fall asleep, and Michael told, uh, I was asking Michael and to be observing, being a sleepiness, mm -hmm. but not letting the body fall asleep, and I'm just having a hard time understanding that. Mm -hmm. um, it bringing awareness back to the breath, but feels like feels like I'm trying to control the body. Like you're saying, body finds itself, but body finds itself wants to fall asleep. <laughs> and really appreciates it and goes to sleep. <laughs> so that and, and you know, part of what's going on there is often, 
the the urgency, the anxiety of our life is a stimulus, you know. And then we start to sit, and we start to let go of that, mm. and then you experience, I'm really tired. <laughs> but it's not letting this fall asleep, right? When you're sitting. I remember hearing Thich Nhat Hanh, someone asked him this question, you know, and I was waiting for this profound, subtle <laughs> yoga answer, and he said, maybe you should take a nap. <laughs> but, you know, is there a lesson there about how much you're demanding of yourself? How, how I mean, is, is your being being nourished and restored in an appropriate manner. I think I'm afraid of letting myself go and really fall asleep. So I'm fighting in between now. Yeah. I'm feeling my body, uh, maybe I'm getting sleepy, and if I let myself experience really the sleepiness, I might actually really fall asleep. So I force myself to breathe more, bring awareness back to the breath, but mm. then I'm running away from the actual experience field. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. So, so on one hand, we look at what, what is this teaching me about how I'm living? And then we bring it back to, okay, and then given that, how to relate in this moment Part of that, the appropriate answer to that part, partly depends upon how how much you've worked with the body, how much you've worked with attention, uh, how much you know about energizing breath, and, and you know, one ideal answer is that um, we 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 sit with an uprightness, but then we, we let the tiredness soften the body and the mind around that uprightness. And, and in, in extensive practice, it, it, this, this is often part of what's used. You, know, you don't get so much sleep, but you do a lot of sitting, and something can release and there can be an uprightness. But it's not just something you can demand of yourself. It, it's, like, it's like demanding something of yourself, you know, in an asana. Well, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. You have to work with it, explore it, discover it. And, um, so I would say come out of both sides, you know. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to explore. And then with just to watch for, as you were saying, well then, I'm, I'm so busy in that, that just being present is not so available. So back to Thich Nhat Hans. Maybe you should have an app. <laughs> <laughs> you came from a three-hour time change, too. You haven't stopped. <laughs> yes. No, it's just... I mean, I'm, I remember someone came in the, in the first day of Shashin and, and they said, I, I just can't stay awake. And I said, how much sleep did you get last night? Oh, yeah, three hours. <laughs> Maybe this isn't a profound you know, <laughs> spiritual question. So the body you were just sitting, please. And the body you were just sitting with, what did you notice? Is there any... You know, the body has so much to teach us, and the breath, and then you get to mind and like, hmm. But at least with the body and the breath, there's, there's ways we can make access and, and explore. Um, I was wondering, so in the practice here, you're trying to come back to your breath, but then you have these observations 
like you said, life or the moment. So at some point you want to process that. Um, but you don't process it while you're sitting. You're That's trying. correct. In, in this, in awareness sitting, you know, whether it's Vipassana or Zazen, the, the full emphasis is on experiencing what's happening. And, and then around that, we can introduce technique. But, but it's in the service of experiencing what's happening. That's correct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Within experiencing what's happening, it's an activity of mind, you know? And, um, <clears throat> and there's an interesting way that when we experience it, uh, something can register. You know, it doesn't have to be held conceptually. And that's a very interesting process. You know? I mean, it's not unusual in, in, in practice. Like maybe you read something and you don't understand it. Like, what's that about? And then you, you meditate and you meditate and then you pick it up again and it's like, oh yeah. But you never, it wasn't like you sat down and figured it all out something in the process of experiencing there's a learning and it's not necessarily simply cognitive in, in fact often in the sacred texts they're kind of saying you know cognitive has its place but it's a limited place I was thinking, um, just my experience would be sometimes um, being a bit like ambitious and a bit vain, mm -hmm. and uh, then I find myself this time being very relaxed and, and um, maybe not so ambitious. And would you, would there be any sort of Obvious warning signs to just being lazy or. Your question. Being like the balance between like being too ambitious oh, and, and and a little vain, and like letting go of that. When you like, is there any obvious like mistakes that you could be on the lookout for when you get too like relaxed and being a bit <laughs> what a sweet question. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is, yes, and, and it's so much part of practice. You know, you start to see something about yourself and you think, oh, I, I really want this. I want to accomplish this. And this is part of the, the danger of technique. You know, a technique, like as I was saying, you know, extend the exhale and allow the inhale. And then you think, okay, that's how you do it. That's what's supposed to happen. That's what I'm supposed to achieve. And you get ambitious. And, and then you see ambition and you think, well, that's, that's kind of misguided. And, and then your dedication or your diligence starts to diminish. <laughs> You know, can you, can you sustain the dedication without it being fueled by ambition? Mm. Yeah. And, and we watch ourselves, you know, you, you watch, we watch our own personality, our own traits. And, and the great gift of awareness is, is that the more we see them, the more it draws us back into balance and, and, and skillfulness, 
okay, it's not about ambition, but there is diligence, you know, and then what's that like? What's it like to be that way? And that acknowledgement, you know, as much as we can, being matter-of-fact about what's going on for us. Just like you said, that beautiful way you said, yeah, ambition, and a little bit vain. <laughs> you know? And then that, the humility of saying it that way, you know, that already it's coming back into balance. There's what we normally say in English. There's the characterization that evolved in China, and then there's the terms that are in Sanskrit that have more of an Indian flavor. And, and like even Michael and I, you know, from in, in Buddhism, chitta is it's a little ambiguous and has a couple of different meanings. And then when I listened to Michael, I thought, oh, and there's another meaning, and, and maybe that's more from the yoga school in contrast to the Buddhist school. But as, as these terms are coined in the realm of practice, whether it's yoga or Zen, they're attempting to talk about something in the realm of experience. You know. and, you know, in general, in Buddhism, there's one term about consciousness. And then within consciousness, there's thinking mind. And that has a term. And, and then there's a more general term about the activity of consciousness. And that has a term. And then, but in the, in the Chinese, then they use Xin, which means heart mind. And then this Western notion of my mind and my heart, uh, maybe the Chinese term is helpful for us in that regard, and that, that we're not separating them out. Yeah. Well, we tend to think heart, and sometimes we're saying emotions, you know, my emotions and my thinking, my mind and my heart. But when you examine them, they're, they're, they're interwoven, you know. Sometimes the thoughts stimulate emotions, sometimes the emotions stimulate thoughts. I mean, that's why the breath is such a wonderful thing to work with, because as you, as you switch, as you, as you um, tune into the breath, the inhale, you can start to feel a certain quality. Like when we sigh, you know, it has kind of a disposition to it. You know, when we get anxious, the breath tightens. When you get angry, the way you breathe, 
regulating the breath is is influencing all those activities of heart mind. And then part of this, the, the strategy of flowing breath is that you're, you're, you're stimulating, harmonizing, regulating, and integration. But fortunately, you don't have to know what should happen. You can work with the complexity of your psychological being without having to kind of know how harmonizing comes into being. You were talking about the breath and when you exhale, you come to the end of the exhale and you, you wait with yeah. no air in your lungs. And then I, I started thinking about what Michael said yesterday when I was out of air. Said when when you die, your last breath is an exhale. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, is this a is this a preparation for for death? Is that what you see of what it's going to be like? And then I'm I'm thinking, why am I here? I'm supposed to be meditating. Is meditating, or am I just obsessing over? <laughs> Are you obsessing over what? My own existence. Yeah. My own existence. <laughs> Hmm. Well, maybe you were obsessive, you know? <laughs> but if we set that aside, that's one of the profound teachings, you know? Letting go is letting something die, is letting something change into whatever's next. And that's the nature of our existence. It's, it's a dynamic, continual event. <clears throat> and we, the more thoroughly we relate to the breath, the more thoroughly we relate to that. And, and that's why you'll, you'll find in the sacred text, you know, like, <clears throat> die with the exhale. I mean, it's, it's not, we, we don't say that so much in the West because it's a little scary, but <laughs> in Asia, it's often an admonition. But then you can live again, you can be reborn with the inhale, and that's pretty good. Especially after you've died with the exhale. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> then it starts again. And then it starts again. And it can be both, you know, it can be an act of courage. You're willing to do it all over again. It can be an act of gratitude. The gift of life. Think of it as kind of like we're massaging our attitude about being alive. The ways in which we're refusing to let go and the ways in which we're refusing to accept or experience. You, know, you just keep working with it breath by breath. And, and then patience. You know, a deep patience with yourself, the human condition. Okay? This is how it happens for me. Um, when we do exercise of you know, deep breathing, I can feel the air going all the way down, but when it becomes normal, it really shallow. Mm -hmm. And so should I 
try to make my normal breathing deeper. There's should I, you know, is something wrong that I should fix? You know? if, if if we if we frame it like that, then we're sort of um, missing the, the the fundamental request of awareness. It's like awareness responds with yes rather than no. Yes, this is happening. <laughs> rather than no, this is not what should be happening. And yet, we can bring in techniques that are really helpful. You know? You could say, well, why should I do Hatha Yoga? Why don't I just accept my body exactly as it is? But in a strange way, the technique is to help us accept the body as it is and at the same time discover what it's capable of. Yeah, there, there are interesting ways of, of working with the breath during the day. Like I would say one interesting way is when you find yourself really engrossed in, in some way of thinking, some narrative about your life, and it, and it feels kind of tight, can you let it soften? Can you sigh into it? That is the way I trans, to my mind, you know, where, where uh, this person translated as the words he offered were stilling, cessation, restriction for Naroda. And what did you offer, Michael, for Naroda? The cessation of misidentifying. The cessation of misidentifying. And I would offer you that sense of almost like softly saying to yourself, you're okay. Let it go. Don't have to struggle so much. You'll be okay. <laughs> this, you, don't, you don't have to look, wrestle in whatever way. I'll never be happy unless I get that or get rid of that. <laughs> Could I ask again? Well, we need to stop in a minute. So maybe just to say, you know, work, working with the body and working with the breath is foundational in both of these traditions. And how you can bring that to a seated uprightness is very helpful. And this is a great opportunity, you know, as, as we all know, Michael is so informed and skillful in this, in the, in the details of this, that it's a great opportunity to really explore. I mean, I assume Michael would say the same, but, you know, I've been sitting cross-legged for 40 years, and I still feel like, oh, there's so much to learn. We could get into, into the intricacies of when the pelvis is in a certain place, how the channel of air just naturally finds its way to the perineum, you know? And how connecting to the perineum brings an influence to the activity of the diaphragm, to the nasal passages, to, you know, But for each of us to find out, well, 
what's my question about my body and my breath? Where exactly is there some um, point of disconnect or some point of struggle? Because on one hand, you know, the teachings are so profound, but where, where exactly do they register for you? That's, that's, that's where we can make that personal discovery. <clears throat> so you should deluge Michael with your questions. <laughs> Knock on his cabin at midnight. <laughs> this is what's happening with my breath. <laughs> you know, in some ways he would be delighted. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, when you do this stuff all the time and you try to teach it, you learn so much from people's questions. You know, sometimes someone asks you a question and you give an answer and it's like, oh, really? <laughs> <You know? laughs> if the question wasn't asked, somehow that answer wouldn't be given. So please, you know. And, you, and pick it up on what Bai says. You could explore, you know, noticing how you're breathing. Not so much to think, oh, it should always be like this, but... And then you can also explore. Well, what is it when the mind's all caught up with thought to let go? Or what is it when you come to a moment of awareness to take it all in? You mean, in a natural setting like this, those moments can be very sweet. You know? This time of day is the, the warmth starting to creep up the valley. You know? And, and the, the air smells a certain way. This little village, you know. Breathe it in. 